On the microphones, pure and uncensored American straight talk. Never quit. You're locked and loaded with Chris Peranto and Ian Scotto. This is the Battle Line Podcast. Battleline Podcast, Episode Nine, almost in the du- double digits. If you're a Howard Stern fan, Episode Nine. <laughs> as uh, if, if, I don't know if you get the reference. I uh, I do. Yeah. yeah, they always have that Gary Delabate tape where he says Nine with like the Nine. Long Island accent. Hello, hello. I always think of that. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, I, you're not Howard Stern was the only thing back in the day, man. He, he's classic. I don't give people like him or not. Fart Man. Remember Fart Man? Oh yeah, MTV? of course. Oh come on. I, I mean, Howard is the standard. When I had Rob O'Neill on, who I'm sure will be on here at some point, he talked about the same thing. He's like, it was <laughs> surreal to be in that studio with Howard Stern because he's like, that's what I listened to. I think he said during Buds or, or prior to that, like that. That's what got yeah. him amped up and got him through stuff. So it's well, it, it is uh, surreal sometimes. Like, and I'm sure for you too, meeting some of the people you have, meeting Michael Bay. You know, that, you know it's it, it's not I say surreal. It's just you know, but I'm such I'm such a just a guy that treats everybody and looks at everybody as just being a person, but it is cool being and seeing what they do for a living and, and saying, man, I used to watch his movies, not being, Hey, you're Michael Bay. You're the godsend of everything. It's just, Hey, look at this. Look at his job. Look what he does. This is awesome. This is the stuff that I used to watch and, and relaying it back to, to, uh, to things as, as you did growing up watching movies, Armageddon, one of the best movies ever made the rock. The rock was the standard for military movies back in the day for tactics that he act where actually guys look tactically sound. Now, comparison nowadays, you know, it's not. But back then, that was that was a standard. The Rock still one of the best movies ever made. And being around Michael Bay that made The Rock and watching Bad Boys, yeah, it was cool. And then just seeing that, you know what? He's exactly how I thought he would be. He's a freaking drill sergeant. Pot. He just help. He just get on the actors. But he is intense and he takes his craft extremely serious. And that I admired. So, yeah, it's cool. I'm jealous of Rob O'Neill. I'd like to be on on Howard Howard Stern's show one of these days. Howard Stern. Sorry, guys. I just went for a run. So the endorphins are kicking in. So I'm having a hard time talking. No, I I, I, yeah, that would be amazing. But I I agree that it's just once you've met a certain amount of people doing what you do, you do realize we're all people like I, I. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember being really, really young. I had a friend whose dad was uh, senior VP of Atlantic Records, and I got to meet a few people. And like, I remember being a huge Limp Bizkit fan and meeting Fred Durst, and Fred- just looking at him and going, "You're Fred Durst." <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, I am." <laughs> or, um, you know, when I worked my first job in radio was with D. Snyder, and it's like, "Holy shit, oh. I'm in a room with D. Snyder right now." And at a certain point, you do get used to it, and you realize, man, these are just regular people who get to do really remarkable things. The, the, I think the last time I was actually enamored by meeting somebody was when I was – my dad coached at Brigham Young University, and I, I played football. I, I lived with sports from when I was in the crib, and you know, I played college football, so I paid for it. I had a football scholarship, but actually had, I, I did very well in all sports. Bless my dad and my mom and good genes. But um, you know, I was 
at being around athletes was big for me. And Brigham Young at the time, they were national champions when my dad was coaching there with Coach Lavelle Edwards. And um, for those that know football circles, know that Lavelle Edwards, uh, Paul Bear Bryant, I mean, that's like the, those guys, they don't make coaches like that anymore. Those are the coaches that coaches still try to be, strive to be like. And um, the first time I met Jim McMahon, that was where I was like, wow. And I think what I was in fifth grade, but just being around football and football was my life. And that's what we lived, eat, eat slept and drank. And I played football and I sports meeting Jim McMahon in sixth grade. And even when he was at Brigham Young, being that Catholic boy at Brigham, he still had the glasses, the, the Terminator glasses. He still had that swagger about him. To me, that was the, that was the first time and the last time that I really was enamored by meeting somebody. But uh, yeah, I was awesome. I, I, I grew up being able to have Steve Young, having turkey dinner at your house for Thanksgiving. I didn't know who Steve Young was at the time because he was the backup. For those that know football, you know who Steve Young is. Super Bowl quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. He was also a Heisman Trophy winner. No, he didn't win the Heisman. I think he was runner-up to Herschel Walker. But uh, he uh, he came over the house when he was the backup quarterback because he couldn't get to back to, I think it was Vermont or Connecticut is where he lived for Thanksgiving dinner. And just going outside and playing catch with Steve Young. I didn't know who he was. I wow. was Jim McMahon. So it's, it's just, I've been very blessed to be around people like that. And that was a good positive influence is being around, being around those guys growing up. Uh, that kind of mindset where it really, I think that's where the never quit mindset and the, and the, and the work hard mindset and you'll succeed really dug in. It wasn't the military. It was actually growing up around my father and growing up at Brigham Young University campus and, and watching them be national champions when nobody gave them a chance in hell to be that. I think that's where things really started to sit in for me. But that, I'm I'm reminiscing, dude. I'm actually smiling right now thinking about that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think when you're a young kid, it's a whole different (laughs) ballpark in in terms of these people are larger than life. So that's why when they get to meet kids who idolize them, I mean, I don't like to use the word idolize (laughs) because, you know, they're not idols. They're just people. But when you get to meet young kids who look up to you, it's important to, you know, give them a good impression. But with, with that... I do want to make sure we hit on something that you've talked about on Facebook. It's safe to say this has been a pretty crazy news week. Um, you know, yeah. I know people want to hear your reaction to this major news of the embassy attack in, ba- in Baghdad, the killing of Iranian major general in the Islamic Revolutionary sure. yeah. Guard Corps, uh, Qassam Soleimani, hopefully I'm saying it right, and the ramping up of troops being sent to the Middle East. And it seems like you have a little bit of a different take than your teammate, Pig, who I know is on Fox News and is very, um, you know, praising Trump for the move that he made. And I know you you have a little bit of a different take than that. We, we do. We, we agree in one thing, uh, we should, that Benghazi and, and Baghdad are completely different, that those two should not be compared. And that's that angered me a bit. Um, and, and the reason being is because all of a sudden – we're 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 invoking Benghazi and praising Trump by invoking Benghazi. No, don't. It was completely different. Two different, two different instances. Two different types of. And I don't even want to call it attacks because the Baghdad embassy was not attacked. It was it, there were rioters that overran, and the rioters overran. If I'm correct, and I'm pretty sure I am. I try to do my due diligence on it. And I worked in Baghdad. I worked at the embassy as well when I was with the State Department. Yes, folks, I did have a career before Benghazi, uh, so I did work with State Department protecting ambassadors there in Baghdad um, to get into the green zone. Uh, and I think now it's three separate secure check secure checkpoints. When I say secure checkpoint, I mean these are 
hard charging, hardcore checkpoints, barriers, and things like that with guards, uh, with the armed guards, uh, unlike Benghazi. Benghazi didn't have any of that. Um, the rioters, without weapons, managed to breach three different checkpoints and still get onto the compound. To me, that's not a success <laughs> at all. Um, if there had been, if those riots, and it was during the daytime as well, um, and <clears throat> if there had been weapons involved with these rioters, again, it wasn't a coordinated attack, which Benghazi was. If there had been a coordinated attack or there had been even a semblance of weapons within those rioters, there would have been deaths at the embassy on both sides. There would have been a lot of deaths. So uh, when people invoke, say, look, and, they, and then I got the meme today from Turning Point America, uh, the PACs now jumping on the bandwagon, invoking Benghazi to try to pump up. Oh, look how great President Trump is. No, bullshit. No, it's it, completely different. No, 13 minutes, 13, I'm sure it took longer than 13 minutes to get the QRF out there. But the initial point, the initial beginning of it, you can't compare the two because because of the time frame, because of the lack of weapons in Baghdad, because they still got on the compound without weapons, because they were rioters in Baghdad. They were attackers in Benghazi. The response, good on President Trump. I, I've never said that. And I actually, I, I think President Trump's doing a good job overall. I wish he'd shut up and stop tweeting all the time and, and just stop talking. I mean, I think now after... Since Clinton on, I think a president is better not seen or heard, to be honest with you. Just, just do your job. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, and I said that. I said, yeah, there was a response. Uh, but to continue to say, oh, yeah, Clinton didn't give a response. Obama didn't give a response. Clint, uh, Trump did. Yeah, guys, I know I was there. I remember not getting any help in Benghazi. You don't need to send me memes reminding me of that. But to compare the two. Two separate incidences and then trying to invoke Benghazi again for political gain. No, I've already been through that. I, I, I helped with that. I, and I would admit it right now. So, yes, Benghazi was used to help Trump get elected. If he admits, admits that or doesn't admit that, regardless, I don't care. It's the truth. Um, if you want me to high five you for Benghazi, for Benghazi and Baghdad or anything like that, you want me to high five you, Trump, you did your job in Baghdad. That's good. I'm not going to give you a high five for that. That's your job as a commander in chief. You got the response and did it by the playbook. That's good. Good job. You want me to high five you about Benghazi? Get those fallen comrades in mind, Bub, Roan, Sean, and Ambo Stevens, the Presidential Meritorious Service Award. Get them the highest award in civilian service. Get our clearances back. Whether I use it or not, how about you get those clearances back? You could have. Mike Pompeo, who's the Sec State, was the former director of the CIA briefly, could have been unsuspended. Ask Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State now, why he sided with Bob's version of events when he became the director of the CIA. How do I know that? I got contacts too, guys. I got contacts within the Special Forces community that work in SAD and the GRS, so I know what's going on there as well. Okay? So I, I just it, 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 it's okay to, to pat – it's not a pat in the back. It's okay to say, you know, good job, President, if you want to, folks. I'm not going to say that. Because he did his job. Uh, any guy that's been at the 75th Ranger Regiment, exceeding the standard is the standard. Didn't exceed the standard here. He did his job. What it does, what I will agree with, too, on another end, though, is I will say this with the past administration. People said, well, at least he did something where Obama and Hillary did nothing. Yeah, again, I know I was there. I, I realized that. Um, but to say, you know what, uh, he did his job and Obama didn't. 
I, I really don't know how that can be appraised as well and tie that back to Benghazi. I, I just don't, I, I, I don't see it, man. And I know I'm starting to ramble a little bit because I'm starting to get a little angry. Um, but <clears throat> again, with, with the Obama and Hillary not doing anything, neither of them, if, if neither of them has been brought to any sort of justice, that old administration or Hillary Clinton by this current administration as well. Um, so until you're willing to do that, and show me, yes, you know, we are going to go ahead and try the people and, and tell them responsible for leaving you behind. When you're doing that, then we can tie and I can say, OK, Trump, I got you now. Now yeah. you're right. I'm going to I'm going to help you out here. I, I, I got you back here with this because you're actually bringing people to justice that that left us behind. Um, but until then, I, I just wish people would stop. Stop trying to compare the two instances that were completely the same. And, and you know, it's okay to like your president. It's okay to say, I do. I said, I, I think Trump's doing a good job again. But in this situation, I just, I don't see, I, I don't see it being okay to utilize Benghazi again, again, which we were part of that initially in 2016, but to utilize it again to help with this upcoming election or to help uh, help show how awesome, you know, the conservative party is. Um, and I am conservative guys. I am. I, I would, I'm, I'm registered that way. I'm a registered Republican. Um, you know, it, it, it just, it, 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 every time I see it, it, it does anger me though. And I try to be nice to people about it. And I try to explain where my views are. Some people get it, some people don't. And also, Another thing that, and again, I forgot timing. And another thing that was making me a upset is that people were questioning and say, hey, well, why don't you reach out to Pompeo? Why don't you reach out to the State Department? Why don't you tell them what you think? Guys, I tried. <laughs> I tried for four years after we left Benghazi. I tried when I was working with the State Department. I sat in the White House basement, in the Capitol basement, with interviews with congressmen and congressmen and senators and stuff saying, this is what we need to do. Do you want to hear my opinion? I sat with, with the former second house speaker of the house Boehner and gave my opinion. It fell on deaf ears. The funniest thing is actually I got contacted by Academy, which is black, which is formerly called Blackwater back in 2016, 17 to be an instructor for the state department's high threat protection program to go back and be an instructor Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. I couldn't even the lady that was that was going through my packet i had to do the packet all over again had to make sure that my background was checked everything was good um she didn't believe my service with the state department when i was with the state department in 2003 2004 2005 and she didn't believe my service with the ca she goes we can't verify this i'm like how can you not verify this and then i referred i said i said ma'am i don't mean to put it this way i'm not trying to be pretentious but there's a movie made out about it as well. <laughs> i was like and i'm like you know what 
screw you guys. I'm yeah. done. I, I so yeah because and this goes back to kind of stuff that we talked about on the Jack Murphy episode. Like at a certain point, it's just going to frustrate you and yeah. and screw with your positive mentality. So and and I get it. Right now, it's it's at one of those moments where you really can't ignore it because it's all over the news. As you say, you're being sent memes and different comments about it. So even if you wanted to, unless you want to live under a rock, you can't really ignore what's going yeah. on and people's comparisons, as you're saying. And 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 people can have them. I just just don't time me to them. And I mean this with all due respect to everybody out there. I know I came the first time I answered somebody. I was angry because because that somebody questioned. Hey, did, well, it was it was more to me. It was more condescending. Um, with, with the comment was, why didn't you do this? Well, why don't you pick up the phone and call Pompeo? And it, gosh, God, and I just want to just like I just told you just now. I did. I tried. Yeah, I did. They didn't want to hear. It. They didn't want to listen to anything I had to say. And then also when I talked to the FBI after the event in Benghazi, they didn't want to know anything about how to improve security. They didn't want anything to know about how the incident happened. They wanted to know how many times I shot and they wanted to know why I shot at certain points in time. What does that tell you? They wanted to know if I committed any acts that uh, against the Libyan people or I committed murder. Or I shouldn't have shot manslaughter. I shouldn't have been shooting. They wanted to know if I had, had bad shoots. Yeah. Like so, that's what frustrates me. Of course, I've tried. Of course, I wanted to put my input. I even tried to become, re-become an instructor, back training guys and teaching them about lessons learned of what took place in the State Department that night in 2016-2017. I tried. They they didn't believe my service, even though there was a movie out about me working with the agency. What else could I've done? Yeah. So. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah, that's that's where we're at. But uh, getting on the the attack, I'm sorry, I know I spent a little bit of time on that. The president's in a bad space, bad spot in that that instance. You have to, you really do. You you have to, you have to attack. You have to. The guy that orchestrated or has been influencing attacks against Americans and maybe influenced the attack with the riot. Um, as a, you, you can't let that slide. I don't have any problems with them going in there and strike and, and kill him. No, I, that's, but that's been happening for years. Obama had the most drone strikes. If you did their due diligence, I looked, I couldn't find anything about Trump, but Obama had the most drone, drone strikes. Um, yeah. Prior to Bush. Uh, yeah. Prior, prior to this administration. I, I yeah. I'm with you. I don't, I don't know about currently, but I do remember that was a big stat was, yeah, you know, yeah. more than Bush for sure. Yeah. So, um, so to, to is what would I agree with? Yeah, okay, I do. That's that's you, you, you have the eye for an eye. Yeah, I wish we didn't live in a world where it wasn't an eye for an eye, but you kind of have to. But if you're going to, just like the strikes that imp, that started the riots, if you're going to, you better have your facilities prepared for the the upcoming retribution because it will come. Wherever there's an action, there's an opposite reaction. Yeah. And that was where Baghdad, again, where that failed. I said, well, yeah, if you want to compare it to Obama and Hillary, that part did fail because they didn't prepare that in, in, for that riot when they just assumed nothing was going to happen. And, I, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the intel community had information because I do. I did understand that the head ambassador there in Iraq had actually been evacuated out before the riot started. Um, on the guys on the ground side, though, I got nothing but hats off for them. I know the GRS guys there at the embassy were ready to go. I know the SAD guys were ready to go. I know we saw that saw that tweet, but I guarantee you they had a plan of action, and it wasn't a plan of action set by the president. It was already they had some standards operating procedures, SOPs set in place, 
and I, I know they were they're ready to defend that compound. So, like I said, if the rioters hadn't been rioters and actually had been a coordinated attack um, before the QRF, which President Trump did a good job, I'm gonna say it again, so y'all hear me out there because I know you like to clickbait <laughs> my stuff. President Dob, President Trump did a good job going by the book, which is what he's supposed to as commander-in-chief, and getting that QRF force in the air to him, or getting them at least at least getting them mobilized. And then I do believe they were on the air to him. And now there's a buildup. That's a, that is a standard reaction, and I believe it. you still have to do that. You can't sit back and just let things play out. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, did I uh, when I say there was going to be deaths, I mean, there, there would have been a lot of deaths because – the, the agency guys that were there, the 25th ID that were already on site, the Marines, because I know there's a Marine contingent there at the embassy, they would have killed a lot of uh, the attackers as well. It would have been a, it would have been a bloodbath. Yeah. So, um, and, and to me, that's, that's not a victory. Uh, I don't think that's a victory at all. Um, so uh, I, I don't know if I, but this, the, the, the attack, yeah, the red, the response is blowing up the general. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. It, it sucks. And there's going to be another attack somewhere on American interests and they'll utilize terrorists. They'll utilize civilian populace. Um, uh, you know, hope because they, they, they can't go us, can't go at us head to head military wise. But um, as a president, if you let that go, then yeah, as, as a, was it, was it Steve said, and I agree with him when you're in those countries, Oh, if Steve you show any, yeah. yeah, if you show any sign of weakness, they'll eat you up. And um, and then yeah, so uh, yeah. But the thing I don't agree with though is I think Fox tried to tie this general into uh, being one of the being the mastermind of the Benghazi attacks. And I just rolled my eyes like, oh, here we go. No, I thought Katala was the mastermind. See, they're still trying to tie Benghazi into Baghdad with some aspect of it. I, I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> that he that this guy mastermind the uh, Benghazi attack or was even part of it. Um, but no, the response, you, you, you got to go hit him. I agree with Tig on that. Um, and that's from a, that's from a guy on the ground point of view. Um, yeah. If, if he, 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 he attacked Americans, he's been killing Americans. He, he may have had a hand in this Baghdad thing, but bottom line was he killed Americans before anyway. So, and he's ahead, you, you got to get him, but you better be ready for the reaction because there's going to be a reaction. Um, well, time will tell what that will be, brother. Maybe we'll be talking about it again in another, in an, at another show. Yeah. Um, for the record, by the way, I, uh, I, when you said, you know, people like to use what you say for clickbait, I encourage anyone to clickbait us if it means getting us, uh, more lessons, building up the audience. I'm all for it. So, but be re- what I always tell people, if you clickbait or you give, give a comment in our section, yeah, I'm gonna give you a response. You may that, not like that's, that. You know what's response. funny? That's the difference between you and I. If uh, if someone you know writes a giant paragraph, I, I'm just I'm just like, eh, I'm I'm not reading this. <laughs> you you always do, and I can tell it sometimes gets you fired up. I just I'm like, I'm not reading all this, and it's no disrespect. Anyone who listens to the show, I I truly appreciate. But like, if it's just one of those things, if I sat around reading every like five paragraph yeah, yeah. comment, I wouldn't get shit done with my day. So I'm like, I, I I'm not reading all of this. I I I'll jump in if if it if it's something personal that that yes, personally yes. applies, like like like, hey, well, why didn't you talk to the State Department or hey. 
you know, what, 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 what do you know about security within the, what do you know about uh, protective security measures overseas? Yeah, I'm going to respond because, come on, idiot, really? Sure. I just, do, do, I just do do don't want it to get to you because I do remember your history <laughs> on Twitter, and I don't want the battle line comments to become you on Twitter getting so <laughs> no, fired no, no. up with this stuff. Well, can you tell Because I'd like to keep it fun. Yeah, no, you're, I, you're in good spirits, obviously. I, it, it is. But it, yeah, I have my views on this. Just all I ask people is, is yeah, they don't the memes Benghazi and Baghdad completely, completely separate events and and separate instances. Good on President Trump doing his job, which he's supposed to do, and getting the response team there. But to say that, uh, look, look at this. Look to, to use Benghazi again as a political tool to help him. No, don't. We we did that already. Should we have done it? I don't know. I didn't want Hillary to get elected. Um, and it's it's over. It's done with that bullets down range. You can't take that thing back. We already did. But to invoke it again, especially when, again, you haven't you haven't given the, given the presidential awards to the guys that died, my buddies that died. You haven't really done really done anything for Benghazi and, and us that were there that were, you know, lost our clearances. Yeah, and, um, and as we know, yeah. I mean, I know from my previous gig, you know, Working with people who knew Gwen Doherty, yeah. uh, Gwen's friends were who paid for the funeral. You know, it yeah. wasn't the it, State it, Department. Yeah, that, that's that's when you know if, if Trump wants to invoke Benghazi, when you when you when you actually finally you know, bring charges upon Clintons and whoever was involved in the administration for failing to do what they were supposed to do, or if there were intel leaks that caused the attack, which there were. When you finally bring people up on charge for that, when you give the presidential uh, meritorious service award to the fallen and you get our clearances back, you can invoke Benghazi all you want. But until then, leave it alone. And to all the PACs out there that are using it, stop it. Turning Point USA, stop it. Just knock that crap off. 13 minutes, 13 hours, don't. That's a complete, to me, that's a complete disrespectful slap in the face. Don't do it. Just, just knock it off because you're going to drive me and believe me. And Ian knows this. You can, and you can tell by the podcast right now. Believe me, I will become more vocal. And you guys that know can know from 2016 when I was out there talking to people and being on tour and talking to media. Believe me, I, I, I will get vocal if I'm pushed and if it, if I take stuff personal. I, I will. If if I don't, no, I'm like that rattlesnake. Leave me alone. You leave me alone. I'm gonna leave you alone. You come step on my head, I'm gonna bite the living shit out of you. <laughs> So just, I would rather you just leave me alone. But, well said, man. Uh, well, so here's the thing: we have we have a bunch of great emails to get to, but I didn't want to I didn't want to stop you there because you were on a roll, and we have, oh, and we have Pat Militich waiting by. I'm not going to keep Pat waiting. Yes, yeah, but uh, you know, when I, when you're on a roll, I can't really stop you. So <laughs> hopefully, we'll get to these emails maybe at the end of the show sent yeah, to yeah. Uh, battlelinepodcast at gmail dot com, but. I, I wasn't going to interrupt that. So sorry, I'm sorry, everybody out there. Yeah, let's do it at the end of the show. Let's get Pat. Yeah, we'll get to him. So we'll we'll um cut Pat maybe a little bit early. I actually just got a text. I'm ready to go when you guys are. So uh yeah, let's get let's get the former and first ever UFC welterweight champion yes. on the line. Well, I put heavyweight. My bad. Oh, from what I saw, it's Walter White. So I, I, I thought mean, he was heavyweight. I thought, but there wasn't a weight class when he was going. Yeah. He, uh, get him. Get. We'll ask him. So joining us for the first time on the podcast, I mean, we're only nine episodes in. I'm sure, you know, at some point we'll, we'll have Pat back on. But MMA legend. And, uh, legend. And, and actually, before we dialed you, we were saying, um, Chris was saying he thought heavyweight. But from what I've seen in your bio, the first ever UFC well, you, welterweight you're champion. Wel- welterweight, but, but, but brother, you were in when there was even a weight class. Didn't, didn't they, wasn't everybody a heavyweight when you, were, when you first got the championship? Or was, was, you, was there a weight class when they actually started giving belts out? 
Well, I fought in, uh, before I was in the UFC, I fought in two tournaments that were no weight divisions, no time limits, no rules, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I had fought several other fights where guys were, you know, w- well above my weight. But I guess technically I was the first 170-pound world champion. It was called lightweight originally. And then when they started the 155-pound division, they made that the lightweight division and then made the 170 division welterweight. That makes sense. See, you know, there, there you go, Ian. You're right again. I screwed up. No, on no. So I, and I screwed up on the weight. I'm over two. I, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I was just adjusting my current weight. <laughs> no, no. I, I was doing my googling, but no, I, I definitely want to get into what you're doing in terms of the conspiracy <laughs> farm, the new, uh, the podcast that you've been doing. Actually, for a minute now, um, as well as your predictions on this upcoming fight. But before we do all that. I'd just love to hear your background in MMA because I think the interesting thing is guys going into MMA now, UFC is huge, and and you have the possibility of it becoming a lucrative profession. When you got into UFC, MMA was this underground thing. There was no hope of making any money, and you know people look at it now and they're like, man, this is a brutal way to earn money. In your case, there was no money to be earned. Like, what made you, what made you take that leap? Well, I mean, I would say, you know, number one, we were, we were passionate martial artists. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of us grew up wrestling, doing different types of martial arts. I I was lucky. I grew up wrestling in Iowa and, uh, had some boxing experience here and also did, you know, Muay Thai kickboxing and uh, several other martial arts, uh, before the UFC started, I was fighting professional kickboxing when the UFC started and I said, wow, this is, yeah, that's, that's, that's my sport. They actually invented my sport. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think, I think my biggest payday was like 80 or a hundred grand, something like that. So it wasn't, it certainly wasn't, you know, chump change, but you know, for, for risking your ass, I guess, uh, you know, having another guy try and cave your face in, uh, could we have been paid better? But you know, then again, again, we were, we were passionate about what we were doing and we loved it. Yeah, I remember we talked at the we're and where where Pat and I first actually met face to face. I've been on a show before that was at the Thank the Seals Foundation. And for those of y'all who don't know out there, Pat is huge uh, on supporting veterans. And we met that was at Davenport. Was that Davenport, Iowa? It was uh, yeah, down, cities, well, down, right? downtown. Yeah, downtown Bettendorf is where I'm. Bet- I'm from Bettendorf, which is right next door to Davenport. Yeah, Chris. Beautiful. But um, yeah, I remember we talked about that. And I, I just remember when I met just the first time that I met you there, but I remember watching on watching the TV when there was nothing. I mean, you just fighting guys that are just twice your size. It was unbelievable. And, and I know you said your neck is paid for as well. And, and I remember just, just looking at it and just go, man, this dude, see, you see, that's something where I look at I'm like, man, this is a badass. Dude, I, I'm a badass. I even told you, I'm a badass compared to you, dude. You, you, you did some fantastic things and, and just being there and doing the UFC fighting and fighting guys that were just un- unbelievably bigger than you um, and, and winning to me, it speaks just, just, just speaks volumes about the mindset. Uh, and that's something I well, really that, get yeah. to people too is this mindset. Tell them, tell them about that. Cause we do say, should say positive on the show and talk about overcoming adversity and how the mind can handle it and overcome even, even huge, huge obstacles. Like another person is twice your size. Yeah, no, I think, uh, to be honest with you, Chris, I think I was, I was cursed and gifted to a certain extent um, with some, some circumstances. You know, my dad left when I was eight yeah. and left my mom to take care of us. And, you know, my brothers all beat the living hell out of me. They were all big, six, four, six, five guys, <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, 
but you know, it was, uh, you know, I mean, one gift my dad did give me before he, before he left, um, I, I got in trouble for something that I didn't do. And he was going to beat me with the belt. I was seven years old and I was bound and determined because every time he beat us with a belt, you know, we were wailing like, you know, uh, oh, yeah. like we were dying, which I mean, he, he was, <laughs> he, he, you know, he, he was yeah, pretty, pretty bad about that. And, uh, you know, he was a drinker and, and, uh, so he, he screamed at me and told me to get across the road and get my ass in the house and took me in the bedroom and, and beat me with a belt. Um, and I just, as soon as he put me, bent me over that bed and started beating me with the belt, I said, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to give him the satisfaction because I know I'm right. And I, when he got done beating me and he beat me for a long time, I stood up and I looked at him and, uh, he, you could tell in his eyes, he's like, well, something just changed here with this, this one. And, you know, so he gave me a, the ability to shut off. I think when I decided that shit wouldn't hurt, it wouldn't hurt. You know what I mean? Sure, and, sure. uh, between that and my brothers and, and just watching my mom be a fighter her whole life, as far as, um, taking care of us and working overtime and all that sort of stuff, you know, you just, you just learn to, to suck it up and, and do what you got to do. And I, you know, I really immersed <laughs> myself in, uh, in martial arts, in wrestling, um, in combative sports in general, I think to, to combat my demons, to be honest with you. And I just, I, I, I got good at it. I got, I got real good at it. And, you know, I consider myself an expert in caveman fighting. Um, you know, SF guys like you, Chris are experts <laughs> in surgical shit, uh, getting rid of a lot of people at one time. And, uh, you know, so we have our, I guess we have our areas of expertise. If you, if you, if you need a bike gang beaten up, I can do it. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and believe me, he, he can't. He can, folks. Even even at this day, you, you remind me though, like the, the Batman now. Because uh, I remember when you're trying to turn your neck, and and the when Batman <laughs> in his suit, like it was, he couldn't turn his neck, so you have to turn your whole body with your shoulders. But you can still do right. it. And still kick some ass, just like Batman. So it's it's and that and that's that was what I was sitting at the table when we were talking at the table, just like. It just to still hear the little stories and and really you know you, you could you 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 went a different route but dude you, you would have been a tremendous seal or ranger or S, i mean you had that mindset and and I, I i dang that's why i thought you were i was like man he must have served at some point i think i even asked you that it's like did you serve because the way you were coming across talking and it wasn't like kind of sitting like hey did you serve asshole i don't know what are you talking it was man i, I, I think i even said what unit were you with because i assumed that you were with with either a SEAL or an SF unit, but that to me, and that's a compliment, brother. Even though your weight well, is I, a little big, now, I appreciate it. <laughs> Chris was Chris, Chris Chris was thinking I got hit with an IED when actually it was just a really bad headlock. <laughs> it was just that's a, it's like how many times did you get blown up? I, I didn't, unless you count blowing up, getting jacked in the face a few times. Yeah. <laughs> and still having the great just just uh, just the great personality and brother. And just being being approachable, and um, you know, nowadays there's a lot of guys out there that aren't aren't approachable, and and now you're extremely approachable. And and I said you, my son was there too, and he met my little boy, and uh, yeah, just 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 the nicest guy in the world. And, and that's where you always gotta you always gotta watch the quiet guys that are super nice, and because they're gonna beat the shit out you. That's why don't worry about me. I'm loud and I'm mean. So basically, I'm a big wuss. So, uh, yeah, I can read you. I can read you. <laughs> Sorry, Ian. Here I go monopolizing the conversation again. <laughs> this has become a, a theme oh, that you always it. you always throw that out there. No, it's good. We're getting into different things. <laughs> I, I I was actually yeah. wondering, you know, from your perspective, Pat, when 
when you joined the UFC, as I said, it was a totally underground thing. And, you know, a friend of mine that we'd love to get on at some point is Jim West, who trained some early fighters, a former SF guy. But did you ever see it becoming this huge, you know, monster that it is today, that it's so mainstream that, you know, women watch it and and teenagers are watching it and it's everywhere and they have deals with Reebok. It, It went from being, you know, what John McCain described as human cockfighting, which is why it was banned in New York, to being pretty much at the forefront and way bigger than boxing right now. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, I, it, I knew it was going to explode. It was just a matter of the right people getting involved, which the Fertitas getting involved was, you know, that was, that was the people that, that needed to get there. And, you know, I, I mean, in the United States, there were places I was doing televised debates with politicians to, to make sure that the sport was legal in the state that I was supposed to be fighting in. So not only did I have the stress of, of training for a fight and getting ready. Well, I had to, I had to de- debate politicians uh, to keep it legal in states that, you know, that I was supposed to be fighting do, in. But do, can, uh, can you expound more? I, I didn't, honestly, Pat, I didn't know that. I guess I didn't do enough of my due diligence. Was there any, and, and finish up with, with, with Ian's question, but when you're done, could you talk maybe, is there one you remember, a debate you remember with a particular politician and, and how to go? There was, uh, yeah, um, gosh, now I'm trying to think. Representative Boland from Illinois was a real, he came into it. All of them really came into the debates. And the one with Representative Boland was, was broadcast in um, at least, the, you know, Iowa, Illinois, um, not necessarily nationwide on that one. But that one, he came in very overconfident, thinking he was just going to be debating a punch-drunk fighter. And what I, what I basically did to him is I brought out all the statistics of every sport. You know, I mean, something as simple as, Look, seven kids die a year on average in Little League Baseball from getting hit with line drives. You know, 40 boxers die a year. And so I, I pointed out to Representative Ball and, and, and outed him in front of, you know, uh, the, the, the viewers. You know, I said, look, if Representative Boland was actually, because he was going on and on about the violence of it and, and how brutal it was and, and worried about people getting hurt. And I said, look, if Representative Boland was worried about people getting hurt, um, they would have banned boxing a long time ago. They would have banned Little League Baseball a long time ago. They would have banned auto racing a long time ago because not only do auto racers die, but so do <clears> spectators <throat> when chunks of the cars fly yeah. into the crowd. So let's not, <laughs> let's not kid around here. I go, this is not about safety at all. Representative Boland and his people are angry that they're not getting a piece of the money. Yeah. That's all it is. And, 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 and so all, basically when you, when you finally get them whittled down and cornered, they paint themselves into a corner uh, by the end of the debate, Representative Boland said, you know what, I have to agree with Mr. Milicic. Um, it really is about revenue, and we need to figure something out. You know, you, know, so, that, that, uh, you don't have a politician backing down like that. That's awesome. That, is that what back when politicians had a little bit of integrity? I, more so than <laughs> No, no. They, they, were just, no they, they, they were just dumb enough to leave themselves out uh, hanging out on a limb is what they were um, because they, they just came in underprepared, as I said, and, and totally unexpected. Uh, you know, that a guy would actually have done his homework on other sports and statistics and, and things like that. You know, they just, you know, so it was, it was kind of fun actually. That, yeah, that's, yeah, you're, you're, uh, what, I always tell a closet, I was always called a closet smart guy because, yeah, it's always, well, it, it's, it's I, better I'm not to be, smart. I, I do have common sense. You know, it's, you know, it's that a lot of those book smart, a lot of politicians are book smart, book smart and sidewalk dumb and corrupt as hell. Um, you know, so for me, for me, all I have is common sense and real life experiences, right? So that's yeah. all I can go on. I can't go on an Oxford PhD or anything like that because I don't have one. 
I, yeah, I think it uh, surprises some people because it's like I listen to so many podcasts beyond doing this one. I'm just a fan of the medium and, and you know, hearing long form interviews with guys like Dominic Cruz or John Jones. There are some really intelligent guys in the sport beyond just being great athletes. You know, I mean, that's the thing about, you know, MMA, I think, one, because it's very exciting. Uh, the sport is very exciting. But two. You know, a, a good chunk of the athletes in the sport actually are college graduates because yeah. they they wrestled in college or or went to school for something, and so they can you know they can um, connect with with the people that are spending the money to watch the fights a lot of times, and and they can you know fairly eloquently express themselves, break down their 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 fights you know to the to the fans, and instead of just saying you know. Uh, I, I'm just going to go out and kill this guy, whatever, you know, and, and, uh, yeah. you know, like Tyson used to say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to eat your children. <laughs> like nobody can even remotely, um, understand that mentality, right. Where it, it, at least most MMA fighters, uh, you know, can, can, can express themselves fairly intelligently. No, you're, you're right. You, you really don't catch, uh, you, you don't catch a lot of, of, uh, unarticulate, at least I, I don't see a lot of them. And I do pay attention to the UFC. I, I I started watching since with UFC one. You know, even at Range Battalion when the UFC was just at infancy stages, we would send guys to get trained by the Gracies. We thought the ground fighting was the greatest thing in the world, and now the Army combatants really are, are based off UFC with uh, Sergeant Nelson over there, who was also a former Range Battalion guy. So, but you do, yeah, very, yeah. very, very articulate, very, very well spoken, um, and it's amazing. It's 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 amazing that that the majority of the guys out there that, that yeah with the education that could actually do something probably not as hard on their body and and do something to make a living, but they still choose to do it. I I, I like the UFC. I really do think that even though there's a ton of money there, that the majority of the the athletes in it are doing it because they are passionate, like you were about the sport. They're not doing it because they need big contracts. But again, maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I haven't, I haven't watched it this year. Maybe I'm missing somebody, but the majority of them do. Well, you do. know how, yeah, I mean, Chris, the closest thing we could possibly get to what you've been through is, is climbing into a cage in front of, you know, 14,000 people and, and trying to beat the living shit out of each other or jumping out of a plane or something similar. Right. We can't, we can't, we can't do what you did, but that adrenaline, that need for adrenaline, the need for excitement, that the need for that sure. fix, uh, and that, 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 uh, heart, the way, you know, some people are just hardwired to do that stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's very addicting. It's, it's very addicting. And, and so that's, it's tough. It is tough to walk away from for a lot of guys. And, uh, you know, I think that's why, uh, former yeah. fighters, uh, former, former military, you know, we all have a little bit of a, an issue after we leave all that stuff, uh, the, the camaraderie, yeah, yeah. uh, the teamwork, the, the intensity, all that stuff. When you go back to a normal life, man, life can be really mundane, uh, post post career of, of intensity. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you, brother. Um, yeah, I, I, I do. I, I completely agree with you. So I, that's what well, this with the, um, you know, with, with the adrenaline, yeah, you do. I try to tell guys, and I try to tell, and tell. I don't know if you, you you go out there and you talk to UFC folks either. Um, the uh, but uh, guys that are are having issues trying to get out of the military or can't reacclimate back to society. Just you know, 
if you done your time, I tell them you, you done your time. You did it. You, you walk away in the sunset with your head held high and and be proud. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I know you do that, but that's that's the that's where just tying it back into the foundation that we were at that show that we were at. The, thank the Seals Foundation that we attended. I know that you have that in you, and and helping veterans, even you coming and and whether you had service or not, coming and and being in support of veterans because there there's you're right. There is especially nowadays. Um, with the combatives really transforming in the military, especially in the SOCOM community to more UFC related stuff, um, having UFC peers in it to military personnel talking to them really helps them as well. And, um, yeah, that, uh, that's, we, you know, that's the thing is man, the, the, the respect for veterans and the guys that have been through so much, you know, I get contacted a lot by, <clears throat> by, uh, by veterans and, and it's heartbreaking, man. A lot of them are addicted to, you know, uh, yeah. psychotropic drugs and, and oxycontins and all kinds of stuff. And, Huge problem. And I just pray for them and, and just try to help them get off those drugs and go all natural. Go, and uh, a good friend of mine who runs chemicalfreebody.com um, has kind of devoted his life to just trying to help veterans get healthy and, and get the toxins out of their body and a lot of the other stuff. And, you know, I just, uh, I, I just try to encourage them and remind them and just go, look, man, uh, you know, we, uh, America's got a lot of love, man, a lot of respect for you yeah. guys. And you did what you, you did what you did. And, uh, you know, the guys, yeah. I, I can't, I can't understand it. I, 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 you know, I've had two brothers commit suicide so I can, I can empathize with, with guys losing, uh, people they've served with, whether during, during, uh, combat or post, you know, from suicide. And, uh, it's, it's just shit. It's a nightmare. People shouldn't have to go through and, you know, I just, I want the veterans to understand, man, that, that they really are loved and, and they can reach out anytime they want to talk. Uh, I encourage them to, man, just pick yourself up and go see somebody, talk to somebody, call me, uh, shit. People can, uh, FaceTime me on Facebook, contact me on Twitter or whatever, and, and just do anything, uh, afterward, you know, start running, start going to jujitsu, yeah. start doing anything uh, where you can build a camaraderie with a bunch of people that are doing the same thing and, and breathe hard and sweat your ass off and get those endorphins going and, and just get back in, get back in the fight. You know, that's, that's really what it's about. See, right see how awesome this, see how awesome this guy is. <laughs> why, why are we just clicked right at the table too? Well, you know, what's, you know, what's interesting is, you know, I've never met, met Pat in person, but the way that I actually know of Pat, and I think I've probably talked to you for maybe, five seconds prior is through our mutual friend of the three of ours, Andrew Wilkow, you know, while yeah. I was called screening okay. Andrew's show. Yeah. Andrew's and, a badass man. I love it. Andrew's he's, the he is, same that way. That dude is well researched. That yeah, but is, Andrew's the yeah. same way as you in that he's not a former veteran, much like myself. I am also not a former veteran or a veteran and, um, you know, cares a lot about the issue and has done a ton of things for veterans and it's not for notoriety. It's because it's an issue that, that he just cares about. And, and by the way, before we, um, move on to other stuff i'm actually wondering come to think of it how did you get in touch with andrew did you actually call the show because i may have been on the show when you did or did you like talk to him on twitter um you know what it was i was driving back from leadville uh we had done the leadville 100 that that's year. awesome oh dude that's, and that is I was, tough wow well it's real tough when you fall down a mountain at mile eight and then yeah. get kicked out by the medical staff at mile 25 they booted me out at mile 25 That's, you did tell um, me that i remember that <laughs> <laughs> but my uh three of my buddies finished and then three of us did not uh, uh two of us got hurt one of us got lost and then three of us finished and 
but what a great experience it was. But anyway, I was driving back from Colorado and I was listening to the to Wilkow show and I thought, you know what, I'm going to call in. So I called in and just said, Hey, it's uh, Pat. And this is what I want to talk about. Okay. So, so do you, do you realize that when you said, Hey, this is Pat before you uh, got on the show, that was probably me talking to you. <laughs> yeah. No stress. That's no funny stress, shit, right? It was funny because Wilkow, uh, Andrew, uh, uh, tweeted me, I think later that day or the next day and goes, did you call into the show and not say it was you? And I went, well, yeah, man, I just wanted to talk. Dude, you, know, did so, you realize uh, the same thing happened was, was with great. the same thing happened with Caitlyn Jenner. Andrew's like, this isn't fucking Caitlyn Jenner calling into the show. And sure enough, it was Caitlyn Jenner calling into the show. Oh, that's hilarious. Wow. Are you comparing Pat Militech to Caitlyn Jenner? Is that what you just said? You did? know what? I, I will say this. <laughs> bo- bo- I have I have met Caitlyn Jenner, and both people will kick my ass easily. Yeah. Well, Caitlyn, I mean, Caitlyn Jenner I, I, is an I just, athlete. I'll send you guys. I'll remind me to send you guys a meme my, my friend sent me, a, a former SF guy himself, uh, sent me a picture of, of Caitlyn. We'll say Caitlyn. Uh, with long hair, uh, with with uh, her head tilted back and one eyes rolled back in her head, uh, oh, it's an actual picture. But then it says uh, the first the first time you play with your vagina. <laughs> oh my! Okay, I'm, I'm not even touching that one. I, it's just too. It's too. You, you got, the, I'm, leaving, the, Ian, I'm leaving that. Well, Ian, the picture Ian though. The, so I can, when, I can hear him flushing when, in my earpiece. When we uh, when we met Caitlyn Jenner though, the picture that I have like Caitlyn Jenner towers above Andrew. So that's what I'm saying. Like Caitlyn Jenner, regardless, that is a big individual. Um, but yeah, no, the same thing well, honestly yeah. happened where they called into the show. And Andrew was Andrew after the uh, interview was like, we're getting punked, bro. There is no way Caitlyn Jenner called into the show. And sure enough, we confirmed that Caitlyn Jenner is a listener to Wilkow, just like us. So so um, how many octaves below your voice was Caitlyn? <laughs> I mean, lower than lower than mine, probably. <laughs> I, I don't. Hey, listen, what, what? listen, I don't. Uh, I, I, I Dave Chappelle is my hero, number one. So I'm never going to be politically correct. Uh, everyone no, is have, open to, to comedy. Be, you don't have to be. Yeah, everybody. Everybody is is fair game in in my comic book. I don't even care. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, oh, I, I, you know, it, and I, that I, I just when, whenever somebody makes sends makes, makes me a meme or sends me something funny about women graduating Ranger School, I just send them a meme about Caitlyn Jenner. Usually, it's one of my seal buddies. Do. <laughs> hey, so it's we we all have fun. All those military guys poke fun of each other, so everybody out there know. It's just just what we do, and hey, if you're right, everybody should be fair game nowadays, since everybody uh, everybody has all their own genders and everybody has their own views, and everybody's we're always celebrating everything. Well, we can all make fun of each other, and believe people make fun of me too quite a bit. Hey, anybody has a sun, yeah. sunglass commercial like I do, I, I set myself up for that one. I just yeah. basically lobbed everybody a pitch. There you go, <laughs> hit a home run with it, hit a home run with this commercial. Right. But but I had so much fun doing it, and I don't care. Cause I, it's, it's good. But what people bother me is when I razz them back, it's like, wait a second, you're a pub. You're not supposed to be doing that. You're a public figure. You're not supposed to be, and whatever public figure bullshit. You're not, you're supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be liking this. You're supposed to not be able to say something back to me. Well, jackass, I'm going to, you're going to say something smart. You're going to get it back at you, but it, it's, it's all, in yeah. fun. it's all, all in fun. That's there why you go. I, See, I just made fun of Pat today about him not being able to move his neck. That's a serious issue, Batman. Batman with the the, the old costume. 
on and and I can and I can laugh I can laugh about it. <laughs> and then you just just tell me about my size. Yeah, Tonal, but you're like five eight, one seventy, so I one sixty, so I can step on you. So we're okay. Yeah. Ian's just Ian's just being quiet. <laughs> Shut up, Ian. You're talking too much. <laughs> no, I, so I I do want to definitely get into Pat's uh, podcast, which he's yeah, been doing yeah, a while yeah. because when I was still working on Will Cow is when you launched it. I remember. Um, but before we do, I would love to hear your thoughts on the upcoming Conor McGregor versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone fight, because that's coming up just right around the corner, January 18th, UFC 246. Uh, I mean, this is Conor's big comeback. What do you think? Well, look, I've, I've always been a very big um, uh, Cowboy Cerrone fan. Uh, he's just he's old school mentality, a guy that will fight. Uh, for the company whenever they tell him he'll fight whoever they tell him uh has beaten an awful lot of very very big names and uh, the only time i rooted against cerrone was when he fought a guy that i trained since he was gosh 15 years old rob lawler uh you know so you know i i just i really do i i I truly respect uh cerrone and i hope he wins that fight i think if he comes in healthy and hitting on all cylinders, I don't think McGregor has a chance. Um, you know, McGregor's McGregor's a guy who, if he can get the ball rolling on you, he'll he'll get very cocky and and he feeds off of that. But if if you make him if you make if you put some heat on him, um, he will melt. He will absolutely come apart at the seams and melt. And uh, you know, so that's I think Cerrone's capable of doing that to him. So I, I if I was a betting man, I would be betting money on Cerrone. Yeah. That's good. Good, good assessment. I, I'm not going to argue with anything that you say with that, Pat. That's the beautiful thing about MMA, though. Um, there's so many ways to win and lose. I, it, I mean, honestly, there's so many upsets so often that uh, I, don't, I don't even know how people bet on the damn sport, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, and with both those fighting guys fighting, Cerrone and, and McGregor, you do. You're right. You have two completely completely conflicting styles conflict conflicting personalities but you're they're both immigrant yeah he's he talks a lot of shit he, he's out there but he, he normally can back it up but yeah you're right he does he, he, I've the last few anyway but do you think that ties into maybe he is buying and he's, he's taking the outside persona into the ring too much now where yeah, the wheels fall off because he's not focused, or is it just? And I, I'm just asking because I'm I'm not an expert UFC. I just like watching. I have no idea. Well, I think you know, I respect Conor McGregor for the fact that he talked himself and fought himself into that position to fight Mayweather, yeah. and I yeah, I was part of that broadcast team that did that fight, and um, you know, awesome. we almost had a deal put together when I was when I was uh, closer to my prime. We almost did a deal with Roy Jones Jr. and then that fell apart when he went and got knocked out in Australia. And then we were we were in negotiations with Winky Wright in his camp. Uh, Winky was a three-time world champion, and we almost got that put together. And, and one guy on his side screwed up the negotiations, and things fell apart. So I can appreciate how difficult it is to put together something that big. And uh, you know, so so you know, I do respect him for being able to do that. Now. Given if if Cowboy Cerrone goes out and decides to wrestle with Connor, it's not going to be a very long fight in my mind. Um, but I think Cowboy has just enough dog in him where he wants to go out and stand up and and put on a great show for the crowd and and prove that he can he can beat him standing up. So that remains to be seen, to be honest with you. But I will say this, and we just started talking about it. I've been training for nine weeks, just rebuilding my body, and uh, just started back at the boxing gym um, a couple nights ago. 
so I'm going to be fighting April 18th Whoa. against Michael Nunn. Who, Holy shit. Michael, Michael Nunn this, and I are going to be doing... Uh, is this an exclusive? You, you announcing this? Because I haven't heard are this. You, really? That's awesome, well, it's, man. It's, it's, wow. it's, kind of been, it's kind of been a soft announce. We're doing a press conference coming up here later this month, but uh, Michael Nunn was the best pound-for-pound boxer uh, on mm-hmm. the planet for four years. I mean, yep. uh, Tommy Hearns and a lot of those yeah. guys, Michael was younger than those guys, but, uh, none, none, nobody, n- nobody would fight him. Uh, nobody, nobody wanted to fight him. He was destroying everyone. He won the, um, I think it was uh, welterweight, super welterweight or, or middleweight, middleweight, uh, super middleweight, and then light heavy, uh, world okay. titles. And, and uh, then, uh, then got, got in a little bit of trouble, uh, yeah. retired from, from the sport. Uh, but, but he and I have known each other for a lot of years, uh, trained at the same boxing gym. And so Michael and I are going to fight. Mike's going to let me kick actually. So, um, <laughs> That's awesome. can, yeah, can you still be, kick? It's going to be a lot of fun. Can you still get What's that? that? How, how high are you going to be able to kick though right now? That's what I'm asking. I'm, I'm dogging you. Oh, I can, I'll, 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 I can land a head kick. There's not a problem. Are you that. still, are you, look at that flexibility still, still, you are. Yeah. So it's, fellow. it's. I still, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll stealthily go in the garage and, and do bag routines and, hit, you know, beat on the bag and stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't broadcast it, but I've, I've got a, I've got a, a boxing coach that's going to be training me. One of the Pena's, uh, yeah. Niall Pena is going to be working with me. He's a great boxing coach. And so I'll be, I'll be ready to go. I mean, if it was just a boxing match and Michael and I were both in our prime, it wouldn't be a very good boxing match. He would box my ears off and I could box with. I, I could I could hang with a lot of very very good high level pros uh, in just boxing, but but not with a Michael Nunn. But with the kicks involved, or, and if it was if it was mixed martial arts, it, it would be a minute long fight because I'd just take him down and submit him. But sure. uh, because of the kicks, it 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 has that question mark to the fight, and uh, you know both of us both of us respect each other a great deal. He's got he's got the hands to put anybody away at any time, and and he knows that my kicks can can hurt him pretty bad, so. Um, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think that, you know, we're doing it here at the big 10,000 seat arena in the quad cities. And, and so it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I mean, I That's think the, awesome. the natural, the natural April, April 18th is when we're doing that. Okay. April 18th. April 18th. I, I think the natural question is, I mean, you have had a successful career outside of the cage. You are now in your fifties. I mean, are you out of your mind to go back in there? Uh, no, I mean, I'm in, I'm in actually really good shape right now and I'll be in, I think I'll be in very good shape by fight time, but you know, we just went for a good seven mile run in the snow this morning. Um, felt great. I've been doing all kinds of, uh, uh pretty, pretty nasty workouts to, to rebuild my body and, uh, you know, with the box, the boxing endurance and all that sort of stuff put in with it. And, you know, it'll, I'll, I'll be fine with that, but it's more about, you know, Michael actually wants to win a cruiserweight world title. So this is kind of him getting his name back out there. And, you know, um, and I'm launching a, we've already done one pay-per-view. We put it together literally in three weeks. We put together a pay-per-view company with just friends of mine here in Benton, North Iowa. And we did an internet pay-per-view of some MMA fights here, here, here in town. It was a very good show actually. And, uh, I was, uh, calling the fights with, with my co-host on the conspiracy farm, uh, Jeffrey Wilson. And he's, he's actually a very good broadcaster. So, um, you know, he'll be, he'll be calling the fights along. I'm going to put Jens Pulver in my spot to, to call the Michael Nunn fights, uh, those night that night, Jens Pulver is a, yep. a former UFC champion, obviously. And the guy that trained with me for many, many years. So, um, I'm, I'm launching, I'm technically launching my, my internet pay-per-view company on this fight. Wow, bro. That's awesome. That you, you're, yeah, you so are it's, a it's tremendous fun. business. 
just see, you got to just you keep moving on. You keep just rolling. You keep keep uh, keep doing dipping into things and being successful. That's that's incredible. I, I'm proud of you, man. I really I, I that's I never had. Well, no I appreciate idea. it. You know, and yeah. it, I was when when uh, I, I've lost three broadcasting jobs due to buyouts. Right. So um, the the uh, Showtime Strike Force deal. Uh, when I was broadcasting for Showtime, yeah. the UFC bought Strike Force, and that went under. Um, you know, ESPN went away, and then um, Access TV that I worked for for eight years also. Yeah, um, that all went away when Anthem uh, Anthem Networks bought them and and put some some other uh, organization on there. And so I was I was basically I licked my wounds for a little bit and said, you know what, this is I, I'm tired of the suits making decisions and me losing my job. And there was a lot of really good people that lost their jobs off of that crew and that, that network. And, and so it, it, it pissed me off to be honest with you. So I, I, uh, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to prove that we can just off the seat of our pants. Uh, we're going to put together a pay-per-view, you know, just to show, um, how easily we can put this shit together. And just off my buddies here in Bettner, Iowa, uh, some very talented guys we put it together in three weeks and did it. And you know, that, that goes to show you that really, if you set your mind to it, you can, you can figure it out. You, you really can figure it out with the right, the right team of people. You can get shit done. And, and we did it. So I, I was really proud of those guys, you know, standing, standing in front of a camera and holding a microphone is pretty, pretty damn easy. The technical side of that stuff is very difficult. So it, it was, it was really cool to watch. Uh, that's, that's, that's amazing. I'm going to keep watching out. And you said April, say it again, April 18th. I'm sorry. Yeah. April, April 18th. Is? We'll, uh, we'll do the dot com and we'll release all the information and stuff coming out. Uh, <laughs> excuse me here in the next few weeks. Awesome. Congra- man. Con- congratulations, bro. No, sir, and I mean that with all seriousness. Congratulations, bro. I appreciate it. You know, I think it's, uh, for the launch of the company, it'll be worth getting punched in the face a little bit. <laughs> well said, man. Well, hey, you mentioned um, you mentioned your co-host Jeffrey Wilson, the co-host of uh, the Conspiracy Farm. Conspiracy. So, if you want to let us know a little bit about it, I know you're a conspiracy guy. I know you're also openly, you know, conservative. What what is the show? What's it all about for people who want to check it out? Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I mean, Jeffrey and I are, are we're, 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 um, we're, we're thinkers. We're, we're guys that are contrarian thinkers. We, I always instantly, when I see any story, anything come out, I'm always looking under the surface. I don't look at the, I don't look at the surface of the water. I look at the undertow of what's really going on. It just, I kind of just automatically go there. And, you know, uh, Jeffrey and I got together. I asked him, I said, I've got this idea for the show. And he was already doing his own podcast, and I and he, I told him the name and the concept, and he said, "Absolutely, I love, I love it." So, um, you know, we are we are, as Jeffrey puts it, equal opportunity roasters. We we don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, <laughs> independent. We 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 do not care who you are. If you're doing things that that are against what we believe um, are the benefit of this country, we're we're going to expose you. And we've we've had uh, we've had some 
you know, some, some rough times before we've had, you know, like right now my Skype all of a sudden won't work at the same time. Our Facebook, uh, links won't work when we want to do a show, a live, a Facebook live. We can't do that. Um, so we've been shut down in numerous ways. Um, and I was just at Best Buy having the geek squad look at my laptop to, to get things figured out on it. And we're going to have to download some, some other stuff to, to be able to continue recording. Um, and I've had, it's kind of funny, uh, but I've had former, uh, and current CIA contractors, uh, send me, it's hilarious and not hilarious at the same time, send me little Velcro escape, kidnap escape kits. And I'm sure Chris knows what I'm talking about <laughs> with a, with a handcuff key in it. Yeah. Uh, it's got a handcuff key, a lock picking set and, uh, and this really cool piece of paracord with a saw in the middle of it. Um, in case I need to saw through some, some, some bars or some shit. So it's, and, 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 but all of these guys that have messaged me and said, Hey, you got something coming in the mail. Um, you're over the target. You need to start being a little bit cautious, you know? So, so we know that we're, 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 we're doing the right thing. We're doing the right yeah. thing. And, and we know that we're right. And, um, the vast majority of the time, and we ask our listeners, listen, um, if there's something that we say or report on that you don't agree with and don't believe is true, by all means, please go and do your own research. And I hope you prove us wrong. I want you to prove us wrong. And we've not, we've not, we've, we've had some corrections, um, but we've not been proven wrong uh, as a whole on a lot of stuff, you know, and just, you know, a lot of the, and Chris, I'm sure you're just, um, yeah. want to beat yeah. your face against a wall when you listen to, yeah. um, a lot of the stuff that's going on regarding this Iranian deal and all, all the stuff leading up to this. And, and you, t- I want you to tell me how you feel and, and having Chris on our show yeah, was, was, was fun, in my man. mind, the best, I think it was the best show we've ever had for many reasons, but also because he confirmed from the very beginning, four years ago, when I and Jeffrey were saying, uh, John McCain is facilitating and, and helping uh, arm ISIS and Al Nusra and everybody was calling us lunatics and everything else. And, and then remember, we started getting confirmation. I've yeah, sat on the couple of and, and, and and stairs. Yeah. yeah. Having you four years afterward confirm it after we had gone through a lot of documents from Silkway airlines, uh, the cargo, you know, manifests and everything of a lot of small arms and phosph- white phosphorus weapons and depleted uranium rounds and all kinds of shit. Um, you know, we, we, having Chris on and confirming it, you know, was a, a very big vindication for us and it really, really was important. But, you know, as far as this Iran stuff goes, I've, I've watched this, you know, we can remember back when Obama, um, handed over released, we'll call it $150 billion, uh, to the, back to the Iranian government. And if anybody thinks that that didn't come with marching orders and stipulations, they're crazy. Uh, because, you know, during this, you've seen this this escalation from Iranians, uh, supposed Iranians where, you know, uh, there's an attack on a pipeline. Then there's a mortar attack in the green zone in Baghdad. Then all of a sudden, um, they're hitting, uh, they're, they're planting explosive devices above the waterline on oil tankers. And then all of a sudden they're taking oil tankers hostage. And then there's a, a, a drone attack on a Saudi Arabian uh, refinery that was supposedly an Iranian drone. Look, whether those were or were not, uh, Iranian, uh, true Iranian attacks. Um, those, those were not just uh, Iranian born ideas is what I'm saying. And, and they are desperately in my mind, trying to drag Donald Trump into a massive war with Iran, uh, because there's a, there's a lot of stuff that can be hidden with a war, um, and forgotten about with a war in my mind. And I, I think this is, 
there's a lot of false flags going on, and, and that's just the way that I, I see this whole thing happening. Chris, maybe I'm wrong, but what do you think? Uh, my Watching that, and, and I still think there's time to tell, as I ran, as I ran behind the stabilization, way I ran and the Saudis are, to be honest with you, bro. If you want, you throw, I got to throw them in there as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are they drawing Trump? I, looking back now, are they drawing him in? But they're just being themselves. Uh, I, we, we allowed Iran to get to where the point they are now, the eight years prior to Trump. Um, by just turning the other cheek. That's why when when Ian, you know, we, the, earlier before he came on, Ian said, "Well, should Trump have?" He was just asking, "Should Trump have hit this Soleimani, the, the Iranian Iranian general, because of what happened in in uh, in, in Baghdad?" Well, you, you you kind of put him in a bad spot. He he doesn't have a choice. If you don't, it's right. his weakness. If you do, yeah. Now we're looking at what you're talking about. Oh, well, now there's an excuse to try to facilitate, maybe draw us into a World War III. But there's a no-win answer right there. So we allowed it to be to this point where the possibility of Iran now being able to facilitate a world war with with, but making us look like we're the instigators. That's there. But that was happened way before Trump. That was before Trump right. even took office. So <clears throat> I, so I. Am I going to agree with you I, that 100%? I guess I kind of already did, but I still leave that little anklings out there. I still need some more information because, like you said, common sense. Let me see common sense. Right. Let me see more stuff. Um, I got to, uh, but I, I'm never going to say that if we get into a war with Iran or World War Three happens and it's on Trump's watch, am I going to say it was President Trump's fault? No, I'm not. I'm not. He was set up for failure when he took office, but with uh, when he took over because we allowed yeah. all this to build up from years and years prior to right, right. now. So right, brother, right. You, you, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I, I'm not going to say you're, I'm going to hopefully the fifth at the moment and say, let me look, let me keep watching because I can't give you a hundred, but you know, if I, whenever I do have a hundred percent answer, I'll tell you just like when the cane and how do I, you know, the hundred percent answer with me, because I'm sitting on the door, sitting in Libya, watching him come in for some reason into into Libya and, and working with the militia members. To me, that's yeah. able to validate. So, you, brother, you 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 keep doing what you're doing, but there, Iran's we we had we put ourselves in the position that we are now, and with the jet with bombing the killing the general with the drone strike, that's what we do. Obama did a lot of drone strikes too, but could this lead to something bigger? Yeah, it could. Uh, and uh, and yeah. just keep your yeah. eyes open because there's going to be another there's going to be another attack on a U.S. facility or installation or personnel or maybe even something something happening here in the U.S. And then what are we going to do after that? Is it just going to keep escalating? Uh, that that well, I don't that's, know. Yeah, that's that's what that's what worries me. Whether it's a uh, you know a major terrorist attack. Yeah. That, look, yeah. we don't we don't we don't know where the idea and the money came from for said potential Iran, uh, for said potential, uh, terrorist attack. And, uh, you know, I mean, look again, I'm a contrarian thinker. I go as, as extreme as to think that, uh, you know, an assassination attempt on president Trump gets blamed on Iran and that's our excuse to go to war, whatever. Um, they, they, I think that there are certain entities, um, involved in all of this stuff, the, the geopolitical uh, situation, yep. uh, that are willing to go to any lengths to cover their crimes and also to to uh, profit Brother, uh, from just, a massive war, or just to say that they're right. Nothing. Just to, just because they're so such megalomaniacs, politicians here in the U.S. or whoever that doesn't like Trump or whoever does like, 
both it's just to say you know what not even any of that's just say you know what we were right we were, we were right it's world war three everybody's gonna die but we were right that's how people right. are nowadays i've seen it just in the last two days even on my fees because i didn't agree with comparing baghdad to benghazi I, yeah it's, it's ridiculous it's it's ridiculous so i i i um i i would never again i can never ever say did obama administration with that money did they are they helping facilitate this just to make President Trump look bad to draw us into World War Three? God, I hope not. But see, that's the thing. I shouldn't be able to say, God, I hope not. Is there a possibility that that's going on, that that happened or that is still being facilitated? Yes. And that's bad enough by yeah. me not being able to 100 percent say no. No U.S. person would no U.S. civilian, no former president. Nobody would do that work with Iranians to facilitate more bloodshed to make a president look bad. And by me not, not being able to say with 100% certainty, yep, that's not going on, that's bad enough. That's bad enough. In my, and, that's yeah, just, man, yeah. and that's my opinion. That's, that's my opinion with it. So take it for what I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. And, that's, and this is what you get on the conspiracy farm when you listen to the show. You know, you're certainly not going to hear that stuff in the mainstream media because nah. they're, they have to paint a narrative. You know, it's, yeah. it's uh, <clears throat> you know, when we, uh, I mean, it's not, I'll give you another example. You know, uh, the, the mass shooting in Las Vegas. Let me know the last time that they released a crime scene photo of the murderer laying on his back with a close-up of a blood pool underneath his head um, the day after, uh, uh, you know, a, a murder. When, yeah. when, when was the last time uh, that you saw that? And, I, you know, that, that's, that's the first time I remember uh, that that was, a, that was a police photo released to the public. And I said, talk about trying to set a narrative. Holy shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it's, it's just, you know, that, that type of stuff that it, it, it common sense tells me, look, uh, there's a line of shit here that, that is awful thick. Yeah. There's, there's I, I, a I, lot of interesting questions about Vegas. So, you know what I wanted to ask you about though, as well is when we were setting this up, you said that a topic you wanted to get into and that you've been getting into on the conspiracy farm that honestly, I know nothing about. I don't think Chris does either is this idea you were telling me about two constitutions. I am I, I am obviously a fan of the US Constitution and think that's what we should be following. But um yeah what 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 is this about? I mean I Googled it. I it's something I'm I'm not aware of. Well basically, you know, after the United States was bankrupt basically out of money after the Civil War um in I believe eighteen seventy one they asked the central bankers, global central bankers, for a loan. And there were stipulations put with that. And what, what the global central bankers did, uh, and the royal families tied to this, if you, if you really dig into it, um, you, you can find the names that you need to find. Uh, but, but those folks made stipulations and said, we're going to turn Washington, D.C., District of Columbia, will uh, not be part of the United States. It will be its own entity, and we will incorporate it, and we will control that. And so there's, there's a whole set of rules. When you see a United States flag with a gold fringe around it, um, that's, that's a flag that, that you'll see in federal courtrooms, uh, that, you know, that, um, you know, federal judges sit over, uh, you know, a lot of different cases. The gentlemen that we had on our show are experts in that. And you can go back and listen to it. I, I think it was, gosh, uh, episode 104. I'm trying to remember. Um, but you can go to it and just look up the conspiracy farm, the two constitutions. And basically they go through and talk about, uh, doing low risk activities for the highest yield. 
so, so to give you an idea, go in and get yourself an, an ID, a common law identification card made. And this is not a state or federal um, um, identification card. It is basically you go out, put your picture on it. I think your name, your date of birth, and <clears throat> it doesn't even have a social security number or anything else on it. And you go to a notary. And if you go to a notary and the notary signs that document, then you send that document to the secretary of your state. Once the secretary of your state acknowledges that that notary is legitimate, that then makes that identification legal and binding. And, and, uh, and you can use it, um, for driving vehicles. You can use it for uh, going through TSA. You can use it for any identification that's, that's needed. And, and that is the interesting thing. And, and these guys would talk about going uh, to Verizon and get a cell phone. And the guy's like, okay, uh, I need your, I need your uh, social security number. And he goes, no, you don't. He goes, well, yeah, there's a space there for your social security number or whatever. And he, or your driver's license number. And he goes, just put four zeros. And the kid's like, okay. And he punches in four zeros and he goes, wow, it worked. He goes, yeah, no shit. So, uh, you know, this way these guys can do this stuff um, and show that, you know, it, nobody's been able to get out from underneath the thumb of it. But if there were enough people, if millions upon millions of people were to say, for instance, um, file extensions on their taxes, imagine 10 million people filed extensions on their taxes with the demands of um, abolishing the corporation of the District of Columbia immediately. Um, and, and if they wouldn't listen, then you file another extension and another extension. Now, um, I'm not trying to get the Internal Revenue Service after me, but the Internal <laughs> Revenue Service is just the collection agency for that corporation, yeah, yeah. of course. Was, that, was, was so, that something tied into the One World Order that we talked about with the, with the, the people that did the... Well, I, I mean, that's, that, I, that's part of it, you know, but okay. I, I would say this to people is, is, you know, ultimately in 1871, we fell back under the British royal family rule, um, and people aren't even aware of it. So people can research it. Go ahead and debunk everything I said if you if you can, and uh, go on and, and do some research and find out for yourself that well yeah we're we're under the thumb of of uh, uh, there's two constitutions there's two sets of rules why I mean when you look at the illegal stuff that politicians are doing uh, my God diplomatic immunity on arms shipments on all kinds of uh, you know all kinds of shit that they do uh they they're not going to jail because they're under a different set of rules literally under a different set of rules um and and that's just the way it is obviously there there's two sets of rules i i've been through the two sets of rules. we just even just talked about it right now the people that the the, the politicians that violate uh, national security you got freaking uh former presidents using the cia to spy on their to spy on their uh on their rivals, you, you know, you, you've got you've got all sorts of, of rules that, that politicians are breaking, and they never go to prison for any of it. And, and yeah, so so to, I agree with you on that. I'd have to look on the Constitution, though, Pat. That's one thing, though, man. I got, I don't know, I don't know. We'll see. I I, I would do my due diligence, but that's what I love about Pat is that he's telling you go do your due diligence, and if you can debunk it's it, it's fun to read. Right, it's, cool. It's fun to read about. It's 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 a little frightening, but it's fun to read about. It's fun to learn about. It's very confusing. I mean, just. Um, on res the difference between being a resident and a citizen um, alone and how you use that wording can save you an awful lot of trouble uh, in dealing with these people. It's, it's crazy um, the, the level of detail you have to go to, and these guys have done that. And one of the gentlemen that we had on uh, lives in Los Angeles, 
Now, he's still the only guy in the state of California that drives with his common law identification and a different set of plates than anyone else has in the state of California. And even so, even though he has those plates, has been towed numerous times and arrested, and every time in court has had his, his money given back, his vehicle given back, plus court fees every single time that, that he's gotten in trouble uh, from police officers not understanding uh, when he tries to explain it to them. And, uh, uh, but he, he repeatedly wins in court and gets all of his money back plus court costs, like I said. So uh, these guys know what they're doing. It's, it's a very interesting show. Man, I, I need to be one of those guys. No, I don't. How do I join this club? Is it like an air club for men where I can just go and sign up and I can get, joined, well, I can get on? I, all, I, all I know is the IRS made it very difficult for one of these guys. Um, they, they really put the screws to him. And so it's, it's not something that I certainly want to go out and, and practice. Um, I, I think that, you know, it would have to be millions upon millions of Americans. Um, and we know how hard it is to educate 10 Americans, let alone millions of them, uh, on, on the truth and, uh, of yeah. what's going on, you know? So, so it's, it's, it's a long shot at best. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, this is, if you guys have ever seen America freedom to fascism, you know, they talk about the federal income tax and the unconstitutional unconstitutionality of it. If I'm saying that uh, word, right. But a lot of those people they interviewed in the film either were in jail or are now still in jail. You know, these people who openly said, I am not going to pay my federal income tax because I feel it's unconstitutional, like Irwin Schiff. Um, you know, I, I, I get it. People want to stand on principle, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't be willing to go to jail just to make a point. I, I mean, I do get it, but uh, you know, it's scary stuff, man. I, you know, if if you believe that, I would just say that's that's a pretty big risk to take to and put yourself if, in And Battleline Battle Podcast is not telling everyone no. to not pay their taxes. Definitely. Just <laughs> like just like in the oh, uh, no. first yeah, episode with Andre Orlovsky. Yeah, just like the episode with Andre Orlovsky <laughs> where uh, Chris was like, yeah, we're not saying to uh, shoot people. <laughs> we're we're not condoning violence against everybody out there either. I, I always have to put that disclaimer out there because just like Pat said, you can't teach ten people shit. So there you go, dude. We'll, we'll get there. we'll get deplatformed like Alex Jones. I don't <laughs> I, want it happening. Hey, speaking of that, well, we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Pat, get Pat, it, dude. You, yeah, this is Pat is very well read. Pat is researched. See, so if you're going to go up against the talk, first of all, he, he can beat your ass. Second of all, he can outthink you. So you're not going to win. So just put it there. Just just listen to what he has to say. And just nod accordingly. And then if you don't agree with him, then fine. As you leave, don't agree with him. But that's what I always tell people to do, Pat. And but I love you, dude. I, I'm kidding. I'm, and you know, I'm giving you a lot of shit. You you are you're amazing. No, I, I hey, just, man. I'm I'm down with it. I'm down with it. And I I uh, I'm honored you guys even had me on. This is this is great. And I I just uh, I have a blast just throwing things out. I want people to think I'm so crazy that they'll just maybe. <laughs> go Google what I'm talking about and go, this guy is insane. And then start reading and go, holy shit. Holy, <laughs> holy shit. And and I actually think we have the same, uh, same philosophy with this podcast yeah. and that, you know, Chris yeah. has said it many times. Like, I think people are tired of the media telling them what to think. We'll throw things out there and, you know, do your research and you could say that we're wrong or we're right. And, uh, that's what we're doing and not telling people that they have to think a certain way. So it's, uh, conspiracyforum.com yeah. at conspiracyforum1 on Twitter at Pat Militich on Twitter which is M-I-L-E-T-I-C-H 
at PJ Militich yes, on Instagram. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? I mean, we've discussed they, a lot April, of stuff. The fight, man, to put up the fight. We got to put that out there. Make yeah, sure April 18th. Sure, we're going to be having some fun. Michael, Michael second to none is his ring name. So we'll have a good time and uh, press conference will be coming up. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so thanks, thanks again, guys, man. I really appreciate it. It was great talking to both of you. Awesome. Thank you, Pat. It's good talking to you, buddy. Be safe. You know you need anything. You just holler at me, brother. You got my number. Thank you, sir. You guys have a great day. Great having Pat Miletich on. An absolute legend. Class act. First ever UFC welterweight champion, as we confirmed. Um, I am 0 for 2. You have won (laughs) both arguments. I am wrong both times. See, it's okay, people. And for everybody out there, it is okay to admit you're wrong when you are, everyone. It's perfectly fine. And no harm, no foul. Check out the Conspiracy Farm when you're done with this, of course. And as promised, I do want to get to some emails uh, sent to battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. Um, so this first one is like a tactical question here. Chris, sure. wondering if you could talk about your experience training NBC with Chris Doner and, and incorporating it into Battleline Tactical. You've talked about the firearms training aspect, but not the unarmed combatives or edged weapons work. Uh, hoping to see more people get involved in training if they knew where to find a bit more. And uh, he says, perhaps a quick bit about shootingclasses.com, too, which when he asked this question, I checked to make sure this wasn't just like a plug for his business. I see that you've done <laughs> stuff for shootingclasses.com. Uh, okay. And he says, hope all is well, Tim Lyons. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, NBC Marshall Blade Concepts. Chris Doner uh, and Chris and I, we, we'll get Chris on the show one of these days, too. Actually, Chris... And I started, uh, he was my instructor when I first started doing uh, uh, combatives, when I first started doing martial arts. Actually, uh, he was uh, one of the lead instructors and certified instructors for a gentleman by the name of Robert Bussey, who was the first white male Caucasian to be a black belt in ninjutsu. And you oh, can wow. search Robert Bussey. He is, he, in his day, he was, I mean, we talk about UFC, this guy was the man. He is the man. And he, I would still consider him the man. In fact, uh, uh, to me, training in the Robert Bussey RBWI or Robert Bussey World International um, system was uh, just a, I was very lucky. And Chris was my instructor. So and this was back, geez, back in the uh, when I was uh, just going from con- military contracting back in the early 90s. Uh, I mean, late 90s, early 2000s. So I've been training with Chris. He's been my instructor uh, uh, for that many years. And then Chris also got into edge weapons we got into bow sticks we got into everything um and then chris became a an instructor with uh, michael janich over there at uh marshall blade concepts and you can google Mark- michael janich he's a tremendous tremendous edge weapons instructor um he's been very uh very well uh, very well articulated and he also has been published in several you know combatives and hand-hand fighting magazines michael is, is an expert i would consider it as weapons. I, I say never call anybody an expert. Well, Michael is, and, and I do believe Chris is as well. Um, but anyway, my, Chris brings in the edge weapons experience. And I do believe that when you're, when you're training, you need to have what we call full spectrum training. You need to train in all facets, not just the guns, not just the, not just the, the knives, not just the open hands. You also have to train in the situational awareness aspect of it. Uh, Cause the best fight to be in is one that you don't ever have to be. The one that you can win by walking away. But if you have to get into it, you got to know how to handle yourself with all different uh, different forms of weapons that you have, which includes unarmed. Chris actually brings in the edge weapons. Yes, we do unarmed with Chris, but Chris Donor 
was primarily to, to, to go over with the knife stuff and teach people knife knife how to utilize a knife if you need to in self-defense. Um, just like a gun, if you use a knife, it's a weapon. And if you use a weapon in any self-defense, you're going to have to answer to that in a course of, in, in the court of law. You're going to have to, and you may have to take somebody's life. Knife fighting is up close and personal. That's that that's a whole different animal than than with a gun. It really is, folks. Uh, but you need to be able to defend yourself because sometimes that's going to be the quickest thing to access. And also, it helps people understand that even if you're carrying a gun, if somebody has a knife in their close close proximity. They're going to reach you before you're able to ever draw that weapon out. We always like to say when you're training in knives with edge weapons, you bring a gun to a knife fight. Because by the time you get that gun out, you're probably, especially with somebody that knows what he's doing, or even the, just, the, just the guys coming out of prison that really, they do know how to use shanks and knives. They do. You're going to get cut 17 ways to Sunday before you can get that gun out. So it gives you another, you have to be trained in that, in edge weapons before, really, I think, before you even step up and start getting into the, uh, into the gun training. And Chris brings that in. So when Chris comes in, we had a basic uh, edge weapons course we just did in Omaha uh, a few weeks ago here at Interten, and that's where Chris is based in Interten. He's based here in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, we just did the basics, and I think people were shocked at, at how how easily it is to get cut because uh, we bring in. We actually Chris has a training tool. We call it Pork Man. He he, he gets fillet, pork fillets pretty thick, and we put them around a, a basically a broom handle, and you know, tie them up, and then we just we just get people's knives and you slice it. And we put jeans over it. We put clothes over it. And it shows how easily it is to get cut, even when you're wearing clothes, with just a, just a standard knife that you carry in your pocket. And it's a real big eye opener. And then we also then we start to show defensive of it. And, and I can go on to it for hours of just the class. But what we want to do with the Marshall Blade concepts and bringing Chris Stoner into it is, is just giving you something else to utilize if you have to defend yourself. Also, if somebody has a knife, what you need to understand if you're going to get attacked. And even if you have that gun, you may not get to it before it's too late. And also, also understanding that it, it, the cutting is very easily, but then on the flip side, uh, if you do get cut, even in a major artery or you get cut somewhere where there could be a massive bleed out, um, it takes a while for that to happen. So, uh, so you may still be in a fight with somebody, as they're dying, and I know we're talking more of it, but this is the seriousness of, of, of having to defend yourself in today's society. Um, you may have to continue to fight somebody before they die for another two, three minutes. And I'll tell you what, in a fight for your life, that's an eternity. So it, it, it is. It's bringing people into gain more confidence in utilizing weapons, but also it, it, it's also bringing in the notion, again, that, hey, we're teaching this, but... Also, before that, we want to teach you what the ramifications are and your mindset be um, if you ever have to utilize this. And even before that, what the situational awareness you should have so you can avoid a situation that you, you can avoid the situation where you have to where you may possibly have to draw your gun or have to use a knife or a weapon system. And a Chris is immense. And he's I said he was my instructor. He still is my instructor in combatives and also in edge weapons. And then when we bring the combatives aspect of it too, we also bring a gentleman by the name of Benny Glossop, who is another tremendous combatives instructor, and he's the same way. We we always teach people and we always say this. This is for the scenario that you can't avoid. Uh, this is why we use weapons, but we never want you to use your weapon if you can get out of that situation unscathed and win that fight without ever having to fight. And that's the beauty of, of bringing guys like Chris and Benny is because they have that same mentality. And that's how we are at battle line. It's, it's, it's not, Hey, what, who are we going to, who are we going to beat up and who are we going to hurt today? No, 
We don't want you to hurt anybody. But if you have to, and you have to do it to defend yourself or your family, this is what we want you to be able to know and learn. And it's just, it's just, it's just little things, little movements. It's nothing fancy. And also, brother, I love, love Chris because he has the same joking mindset as me. Same with Benny. You come in and we laugh and joke and everybody has a good time. And that's essential to learning as well. So I kind of answered eight questions. Or yes. one, but that's that's basically it right there. Well said. All right. So next question here. Uh, hi, guys. With the tensions in Virginia in regard to the unconstitutional yeah. firearms laws the governor is proposing, what is your opinion on the reaction of the National Guard? Should the governor try to use them to enforce said laws? I have three of my children and many friends who are National Guardsmen, albeit not in Virginia, and there are a few whom seem to think the NG, National Guard, should follow the orders of the governor, even though, as I understand it, they are to protect the Constitution of the U.S. per their oath. Definitely a hot-button topic. Just a suggestion. Sincerely, Johanna R. Talberg Carden. P.S. Thank you all for your service, and I'll just say... Before um, Don Shipley comes after me, you just thank Chris for his service because I I have no service, so I don't want to be accused of stolen valor. So thank you, Chris, for your service, and uh, let's get into that question. Yeah, that that in my younger days, I probably would have like when I first joined the military. Uh, before I knew what I did, what I do now about the uh, uh, the government and about laws and so forth, as a just a just a fire breather that didn't pay attention to much, I probably would have said the same thing as their, as their, uh, as her sons are saying, yeah, I'm going to follow whatever my orders are. That's a good soldier. That's what you do as you get older. And, and the mindset, especially now, if I was still in, I'd probably be, uh, you know, this age, if I was still in, I'd be probably, if I was enlisted a, a first sergeant or sergeant major, um, that's an order that might be questioned. You don't, you can question an, an unlawful order, which if the order doesn't follow the constitution, it's an unlawful order. So um, don't be shocked. I would tell the, this. Uh, it, it, was it a lady? Bro- I forgot the name. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, it's it's Johanna. So I assume. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Johanna, I, I would say um, your sons don't, don't be dismayed. That's, that's a new person into the military's type answer. And it is. Hey, they're, they're answering correctly. I'm, I'm do what I'm told. But if their commanders up top adhere to it, that's, a, that's when I have a problem. Um, I, I think as if I was a sergeant major and I got that order, or I was a lieutenant colonel or a colonel, I got that order from the government, get the governor. I, I probably would not. I did not adhere to it. I, I don't think that's a lawful order at all. And all that would do would create more problems in Virginia. And as we've seen before, and with this gun law, gun laws don't work. Confiscating guns doesn't stop gun violence. Period. It's not going to unless nobody on the planet had a gun and. I would love that would be the that would be fantastic. I would love that. I, I'm all for nobody on the planet having a gun, but that's not realistic. And also, as we just talked about, which this is a good question leading up to it with the edge weapons, with the knives, a knife in close proximity is actually more lethal than a gun will ever be. And if the knives, we're not going to have guns, we'll have knives out there. People are going to be killed. People will find a way because we have people in society that are just help in on hurting others they will find a way to hurt or kill someone else it's going to be so uh, taking the uh, taking away the right for a person to legally defend themselves no that's the wrong answer that doesn't hurt help anybody in fact it just creates more it creates a, a more dangerous situation in the state that that's in that state or that position and also you're going to create as you're already saying 
a massive amount of division within the local populace. And you're going to put guys like your son, the governor's put guys like their sons, uh, maybe at odds, even with their peers. And you get, you're creating more animosity. But uh, on the answer again, should the sons follow the governor's order? I'm answering you as an older guy now, after being in the military and seeing the stuff within the government and also knowing and watching how guns do save lives as much as they do take lives. They do save lives as well. I would yeah, tell we your just sons, saw it no. in Texas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Texas church. Um, I would tell your sons, don't follow. But their answers to you, don't let that shock you. That's what I'm trying to get at here. I'm not saying they're giving you the right answer. I, I don't agree with their answer. But I'm telling you, don't let it shock you. Because when I, if I was a young, during my younger days, when I first entered the military, I would probably follow my orders. But hopefully their commanders, the ones that are in charge, are smart enough, have enough have enough ethics and integrity to know that that order would be unlawful, unlawful because it didn't follow the Constitution, and they shouldn't give that order to their young troops. And, and it's happened. Sense. It's happened before here in America. I mean, there is video during Hurricane Katrina of guns being yeah. taken from citizens. Yeah, and and that's just it, it's not the best answer. Uh, it's not the best answer because we just can't get rid of every gun out there and every knife out there and every person does not. We can't get them all to get along. I love that's a utopian society would love that, uh, brother and Ian. Maybe I'm wrong, brother, but I just don't see that ever being a realistic option. That's never going to happen. Yeah, I, I wish I didn't say that. I wish I could never say never on that. Because I would love to live in that utopian society. I would. I, I, I take all my guns because nobody has guns. Fine. I, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with just being happy and safe and leaving my door unlocked every day and night. That's not realistic. It's just yeah. not. So there no. you go. Well said, man. I, I'm with you. Um, the only other additional question that we had was on Facebook from uh, David Bowman, who was just asking who our theme music is. And I said, you know, we haven't yeah. mentioned it in a few episodes. So that's Jinx. Their song is Fails. Um, those guys are out of New York. I know Jerry, the guitar player, Wang, uh, Justin Wang, the guitarist, uh, other guitarist, does a bunch of cool stuff on YouTube. He's got a huge following on YouTube. Um, you guys may even just know him and not know the band, but uh, Wang on YouTube, W-H-A-N-G. Um, he does stuff about, like, old-school things on the Internet, like Tales from the Internet. He does um, different obscure things. So, um, But his band is Jinx, and that's their song, Fails. You could follow them at We Are Jinx, J-Y-N-X. And our outro music, as I've mentioned several times before, is Mark Slaughter and Hopefully we get Mark on the show at some point. I always text him and I'm like, and I'm like hey, you're, you know, we'd love to have you on. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm down. And then I don't hear from him again. So it's like the same thing you have with Pablo Schreiber. And, uh, and we also have like guests. You know, I, I've been getting requests for guests. And we also have guests um, booked up until all of February at this point. So, yeah. you know, and I don't want to book so far in March because your schedule could change. My could change. And it's, hey, my, it, it yeah. makes it tough because we only do the show once a week. And I already have people saying, man, I wish the show was twice a week. And I'm sure if like monetarily we could make it happen. <laughs> exactly. I would love to do the if show could, twice a week. Exactly. If we could pay our rents just doing the show. I love that, bro. Let's stay home. Fly to New York maybe every once in a while, do a, do an in-studio and then stay home. But, yeah, you and I aren't that uh, independently wealthy. Uh, so if that ever happens one day, 
shit, we'll do a show every week. I mean, we'll do it. We'll do a show every day if it was. Well, no, I probably I still want a day off. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> every every weekday, like Wokow or something. Yeah, so it, that'd be fantastic. I, I would be yeah. down. I mean, which leads me to what I was going to end the show with. Actually, is that you know the way that we're keeping this going is through sponsors. We're really excited to have Everyday Grind Coffee out of Elkhorn, yeah. uh, Nebraska, on board with us for next week's show. And, you know, if if you have a company and whether you want to sponsor one show like um, those guys are doing at Everyday Grind because they're a smaller company that just got started or you want to do a month of shows like Fort Scott did, you know, we will find something within your price range. So, yeah, just email me, ianscottoradio at gmail.com. We have, um, you know, different people coming on next month. I have calls with different people who are interested and. You know, the big thing I'm trying to tell people and get out there is just the fact that I've worked on podcasts in the past and we're only on episode nine and you see the following really being built. And what eventually happens is that once we get these bigger names on like a Michael Bay or like a Pablo Schreiber, people be- you know, become listeners of the show and they'll say, hey, they had Pat Militich on and they'll listen back. Five months from yeah. now, six months from now, yeah. and those shows continue to accumulate plays. For example, um, Kate Hyde, shortly after she did our show, was on Fox News doing Greg Gutfeld. And that was her first yeah. big Fox News appearance. And I noticed this huge spike in plays. So every time that Chris does something, like you're going to be on Alex Jones today. I'll be on Alex out. Jones and then probably get, uh, we're looking Newsmax on Thursday. So Alex Jones Monday. And I love Alex. I and I love it because he's not mainstream. I do. I, I don't always agree with what he says, but I, I think he's awesome. And then uh, we'll have the, the newsbacks if we can get a schedule. Will be Thursday. Um, so I'm not. I'm trying to stay out of the mainstream, staying with the smaller. Not, I shouldn't even say smaller stuff. I actually get more of a bump yes. on everything after Alex's show than I ever did on Fox or CNN. Well, Alex is I, huge. No matter yeah. if they deplatform him or not, he's yeah. massive. So. You know, the thing is, when you do something like that, we're getting more plays. When um, Pat Militich does something like his fight that he's doing, there's growing interest. So the great thing is, as this archive builds, people are going to hear those back episodes. So if you get a sponsorship now, you're essentially getting it at a a completely discounted rate from where we're going to be five, six months from now. And those shows will be up forever. So it's just the time to come on board. I mean, it's just, look, from the previous podcast that I worked on, and even, I could tell you this, man, Andrew Wilkow's show, it didn't have the massive following that it does now when I first met Andrew, and and if you want to know why, do you know who Andrew's competing against in that time slot? No. He's he's competing against Rush Limbaugh. Oh, is Yeah, so it was very hard early on for people to get in their head of, like, why am I listening to this guy over Rush? You know, who, whether you like him or not, is a genius at what he does, is one of the biggest names in the medium of all time. So to be able to build a show in that competing time slot, you know, that Andrew was able to have successful for all these years still running is, like, huge when you really think about it. Most shows that compete at that time slot went away because they can't compete with a show of that massive of an audience. So, you know, people who advertise with Andrew early on, were not paying what they are now, but the difference between a podcast and what he does is these shows are up forever. So two forever. years from yeah. now, if people want to hear Kate Hyde, <clears throat> they want to hear Andre Orlovsky, they're going to listen back. And if you're a advertiser, they're going to hear back your ad. So once again, email me, it's Ian Scott radio at gmail.com. Just if you're a serious advertiser, you know, for questions of the show, 
uh, questions for the show, it's battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. But I know Chris and I intend on making this thing massive. You know, I really believe we have something special here. Um, I'm not as big of a sports guy as you, but like I, I watched that 30 for 30 not too long ago. That, on, those are awesome, awesome shows. They're great. Oh, so, they're, oh I, they're fantastic. Did you ever see the one on the Kentucky University coach, John Calipari? Yeah, John Calipari. I've watched all of them. Dude. That I love I, I, that. Me and my father, we, I grew up a sports nut. I played sports. The only reason I just you know, went in the military, but I was still consider so calm. You have to be an athlete to be in special operations, so I consider that athletic as well. No, that was yeah, that was brilliant, dude. Yeah, yeah go, so, go keep going with it. Keep going. Well, with it. yeah, the yeah. reason I bring it up is something in that really stuck out to me. You know, every now and again, you watch one of these, and you're like, man, that, and it stuck with me ever since I watched it. Was where he had the lotto ticket that he was giving to the members of the team, and he was saying yep. like, people just wait for years to possibly strike the lotto, and he and he's like. You know, the chances are like getting struck by lightning twice. Like, it, it's very rare. And he's like, what you guys have is so much more valuable than a lotto ticket. You have the opportunity to be on this team and to really make something of your life. He's like, you have your lotto ticket right here. You don't need to play the lotto. You got to, you know, roll with this. And honestly, that's the way I'm looking at the podcast right now. Like, I think this is going to become a really big thing. I think Chris and I and people are seeing it have great chemistry where it's just us chilling and talking. I wish we were in the same room, but regardless, <laughs> it's just, you know, I think what we're doing is really genuine. And as people are tuning out from the mainstream media and tuning out from, you know, the split screen debating how we're having yeah. these just really genuine conversations with really remarkable people. I know that we have something here and I'm, I'm really excited for what's to come. And, and, on that note, with with the with the John Calipari story in Kentucky and the lotto ticket, you, you make it. I love watching that stuff thirty on third because it, it shows adversity. Some sometimes they're heart wrenching because some of the some of the stories endings aren't happy, uh, but you they always talk about the mistakes that were made or also how to overcome those mistakes or making the most of the chances that you've been given. Which this is what that falls in line into with the podcast. We've had a chance. We've been given a good opportunity. We've been given a chance to do something different, to to motivate people, to make people laugh, to even make people angry every once in a while. Sometimes you got to be angry. I get it. I you don't always want to be that way, um, but to create people, to help people start thinking again, being free thinkers again, and not being spoon fed. This is what you have to think all the time by having different guests on, or by you and I not even agreeing on things, or me not agreeing with. The 99% of the, the people that actually follow me on certain social <laughs> media, you, I may not agree with 99% of them, but it makes people think and do research. And and I, I, at the end of the day, it, it's it's the opportunity that we've been given. And, and I hope that feeds off to other people as well. Make your own opportunity. Make your own get, make your own success if you can. Um, well, there's not if you can. Make your own success, yes. period. Yeah. And, and and that's that's where the podcast, you know, it, it, you and I are going to keep doing it. We're we're going to keep rolling it until we just we just can't do it anymore. Um, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, and and I know Ian Ian sees the X's and O's more than I do in this aspect. With how we've done so far, I to me it's already been a success. And the reason being is because every time I'm on the podcast, I smile the whole time. That's and awesome. that to me has been successful to me. So I hope I you know I hope we. That's why I hope it continues and we're able to I'm able to do this for a living because I enjoy being able to smile every day. 
I do. I love this. This is awesome, bro. So I want to say thanks to Ian, man. I know I'm I'm kissing your butt right now, but that's <laughs> all right. I you know because I, I do. To me, this has been a success, and I hope people take that from the podcast just every day. Find something that makes you smile, I and mean, you're going to have a successful day. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, what well said, man. I feel exactly the same way, and that's why it was like a no-brainer when you brought this up. And and also, it's interesting off of that last question that we had when you talked about people coming on and talking about all the times that they failed. That is why when I heard the song by Jinx Fails, yeah. I heard that hook, My Fails Are My Inspiration, I was like, this is the perfect theme song for this podcast. Uh, and that's about everything. If you read any of the books that the after 13 hours I've written, you'll be like, man, this dude screwed up a lot. <laughs> He's always screw- screwing up, but how to overcome those failures. That's how you become successful. Even businessmen, athletes, every one of them has always taken multiple times. They've taken two steps, uh, one step back to go two steps forward. And that's life. And you just have to do it that way and you will become successful. That's why I always, even in my text, a lot of times I'll say, just keep grinding, brother. That's what I mean. Just keep grinding. You may have a bad day. Keep grinding through. Keep taking that step forward and you're going to improve. And that goes to all y'all out there as well. Just keep keep grinding. And you're going to improve. It's just when you quit, you become stagnant. That's when you're not going to see improvement. That's when that, you know, that's when you're not even going to be have the chance to go get that lottery ticket because you're not willing to take that chance with the lottery ticket. Yeah. So just just keep grinding. Keep grinding every day, folks, and and listen to us and any you know, for you know, I'm not not always going to agree with you out there, but I love y'all anyway, and I don't always expect all y'all out there to agree with me. Just keep it clean. You get personal with me, though, and especially I'm going to get personal with you. Ian won't. <laughs> I will. I just I, will, I just won't engage way. if it's if it's insanely long is all. But no, um, <laughs> I <laughs> I don't have time for it. I, ain't nobody got time, time for it. that. But um, See, no, that's, it, that's the New Yorker mindset, the Nebraska mindset. I got nothing but time. So here, <laughs> New Yorker, I got no time for that shit. Yeah, no, exactly. But um, no, those are my favorite <laughs> shows to listen. to. Actually, on the way here, I was listening back to an old Joe Rogan with uh, Navy Seal David Goggins, and his whole thing is he's like. You know, he's out here doing this public speaking stuff, and he was saying, like, I was a kid with learning disabilities, with a stutter. I I walked off stage during a school play because I was too shy to say my lines. And he's like, I go out here, and I'm all amped up for this public speaking. He's like, I'm still that five-year-old inside who doesn't like doing this, and I have to force myself to be a a little uncomfortable. And and listening to this inspired me, and I was like, we got to get David Goggins on the podcast, bro. I I love listening to that stuff, and that's why I love conducting these interviews. Uh, we we got to have him on. We, and him and I, him and I are completely different. I do the public speaking with Kepler Speakers Bureau. I'm so blessed to be with Kepler. One of the they're one of the top speaking bureaus in the country, man. And to have them repping me and getting me out there to speak. But honestly, I I to me, I get on stage. I'm just like it's like me and you talking. When I go up on stage and I give a presentation, and every one of them's different because I never use powerpoints. I don't rehearse it. I don't do anything. I just go on. And what do you want to hear about today? You want to hear about overcoming adversity? Okay. How am I going to do that? And I'll tie the story into Benghazi or Rangers or military. I'm so blessed to have experiences that I can pull things from. And that's where the failures come in. I'm going to talk to you about my failures. If you're ashamed to talk about your failures, yeah, it's hard to be a public speaker. If you're ashamed that people are going to judge you by what you've done in the past or they're going to judge you, judge you by what you may have failed on, yeah, you're not going to be a good public speaker. I'm lucky I don't have that problem. I don't care what you think about it. Yeah, and, and also no one – no one wants to read that book or hear that story of someone just saying, look how great I am. I, I want to hear yeah. someone who fucked up a million times and million, got their shit yep. together. 
and that's that's how it well you, you can hear me all day you can come listen to the bad life podcast you're about it all day with me with me out here brother um yeah. but that is it's the truth and and i i i get up there and i'm i'm exact opposite from goggins i i don't I love going out on stage. Um, there were times uh, a couple years ago uh, where I, where, where it was hard because I do have to relive some of the experiences I went through, and it's hard to relive those experiences as much as I don't show that outwardly uh, to people. You know, it's hard to relive experiences where you see your friends die. It's hard to relive experiences where you are away from your family for years at a time and you missed you miss Christmases and Halloweens. It's hard to, to relate experiences where you've had to take a person's life. Um, but if it helps somebody down the line, to me, that means I'm doing some good and that motivates me to get up on stage. And again, I, I got, I got no, I got no nerves. I, nothing bothers me up on stage. I said, I got to tell people if I could get shot at all the time, I can get up on stage. It's no big deal. And, and, um, and I hope it comes across well. I'm still speaking after what, four years now. Um, and I'm still speak to bigger corporations, so I think I'm doing a good job. But every time I walk off the stage, too, I, I have no do, no clue if people were receptive or not. I I, I have any any idea. I can't tell. So um, maybe that's a good thing. And I'm not buying into my own bullshit half the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm not believing believing my own hype because I like actually I walk off and I'll ask the organizer like, is that okay? Every time, because I have no idea. Is that okay? Yeah, I, I think it's just important that you, that, you know, in everything, you give it your all. And if you do, you know, yeah. you're going to put out good stuff. People people could smell authenticity, I think. Yeah, they can. And and sometimes some person's bullshit is authenticity because they're just authentically bullshit. And that's, <laughs> so, 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 so when I say, say something like, yeah, I could hear, I can, I can just see people right now on the podcast listening, shaking, just nodding their heads going, yep. That's Tano, just just a big pile of bullshit. Tano, <laughs> but I love him. But he's just bullshit. Well, <laughs> he's just nodding right now. This was a this is a fun <laughs> way to end it. It's been a great show, um, I think, and I really enjoyed having Pat Milicic on. What a great guy! We have awesome. awesome stuff lined up for the rest of this month, and hope you all had a great New Year. Yeah, guys, happy New Year! And again, this with the Baghdad Benghazi thing. I love you. I don't agree with you. No, don't work. Don't take it personally with, with stuff unless you hit me personally with something, but I love you all. And Hey, no problem. No harm, no foul. You know, we want to hear your opinions. I do just, uh, just, uh, you know, just don't, don't drag Benghazi back into the political fray again. It doesn't need to be there. It really doesn't. I, I think we just, we're dishonoring the ones that died by doing that. And I got, I, I got caught up into it early in 2016. I'm not going to let that happen again. If Tigger Oz do, that's their deal. If Boone does, that's his deal. If Jack does, that's his deal. I won't. Uh, and so um, just, just keep, keep it clean now. Keep it clean with that. And I'd appreciate that if we, we kept, uh, we kept the Benghazi out of the, out of this uh, Baghdad embassy attack for it i would really appreciate that guys but if you do you do if you don't you don't love you anyway awesome man all right we'll be back on monday all right thanks guys god bless y'all
That's all for this week's Battle Line podcast, but we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk, so make sure you're subscribed. And keep up with the show 24-7 on Facebook and Instagram at Badline Podcast. Also on Twitter at Badline Pod. As always, never quit. <laughs> <laughs>